All right, this morning. Okay. This morning, if you will, um, turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. We're going to continue in our series um, around this Christmas time about the words that, they, that Isaiah is using to describe the coming Messiah. And today we're going to be talking about a mighty God. Today, we as a church, we serve a mighty God. Amen. The word in Hebrew for mighty means powerful. As it is implied to a powerful warrior. That's the God we serve. That's the God I serve. We serve a powerful, mighty King Jesus. Let's read right here in Isaiah 9. If you will stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to go right here. I'm going to start in verse 6 and read 6 and 7. For a child is born unto us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. God, let us just see Jesus for who he is today, God. He is a mighty God. And Lord, let us stay focused on that today. God, open our hearts. Lord, let, the, let your word, God, just, just move among us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, the world wants to tell you that God is powerless. The world wants to tell you that the things of God, they don't matter. That's what the world tries to tell you. It tries to desensitize you to things that are going on to try to say, well, it's not as bad as you think it is. Or that what is happening over here is really not that big of an issue. You don't need to worry about it. And they try to take the focus off. If God's concerned about it, it should be concerning to you. You know, the Bible describes Jesus in many ways. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the Advocate. He's our author and perfecter of faith. He's the bread of life. Beloved Son. Bridegroom. Cornerstone. Deliverer. Faithful. The Great High Priest. The King of Kings. The Light of the World. The Lion of Judah. He is Peace. He is Provider. He is Redeemer. He is the Risen Savior. He is the Rock. He is the Shelter. He is the Shield. He is the only one who can forgive you for your sins. That's the God that we serve. He is our comforter in times when we can't find no comfort. He's the bringer of peace when it feels like our lives are at war. That is Jesus. That is what is described here in Isaiah as a mighty God. It should give us hope because hope does have a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. When I think about Jesus being mighty, you know, I try to look at it through... Through a human perspective. I try to think what would we think as humans would make somebody mighty. And I look to see what Jesus, the things Jesus has done that we humans could not possibly do. And when I look to that, I look to the miracles of Jesus. Where he shows the people exactly who he is. You know, miracles are the evidence 
of Jesus' mind. What miracles do, they point to something greater. And what Jesus' miracles are doing, they're pointing to something greater, but the greater thing is standing right in front of them, and that's Jesus. The miracles are pointing back to Himself, trying to prove and show you His power and His power alone. That's the first thing we're going to see today is the power. That Jesus is powerful. And Luke, we're going to move, we're going to springboard off of Isaiah 9. And we're going to move into Luke 5. If you will turn with me there, I'll just read it. You don't have to stand. But Luke 5, we come to a story here. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. I'm going to go ahead and read it. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, and they tried to take him inside to see Jesus. But they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles, and they lowered the sick man on his mat into the crowd. Right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that I'm the Son of Man, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen some amazing things today. You know, let's take a look back here in Luke chapter 5. We'll go back to chapter 4. If you, this is, I'm going to give you some background on what's going on here. You know, Jesus from chapter 4 to chapter 5, usually first part of Luke, you know, Jesus is on a miracle spree. We see in chapter 4, Jesus heals a man possessed by a demon. And in verse 434, the demon proclaims who Jesus is. Later in that chapter, Jesus heals Simon's mother. Mother-in-law who was stricken with a high fever. That man loved his mother-in-law, let me tell you. Gonna make him come and heal her. You know, I love mine too. After this, many people were coming to Jesus seeking healing. Jesus would touch them and he would heal them. In verse 4, 40, in chapter 4, verses 41, we see again that the demons are declaring as they were cast out that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, even the demons know who Jesus was. In chapter 5, we see Jesus healing a man of leprosy and tells him to show himself to the priest in a synagogue. We see now Jesus here, through all this, through all these miracles he's doing, that he is gaining quite a bit of crowd at this time. Of course, who wouldn't want to come see this? Who wouldn't want to be a part of watching Jesus heal these people? If we've seen something like this on the news today, if we turn on ABC 3340, and we're looking for James Spann, who is my personal hero, 
We'll throw that out there. If you watch any other news, you're, it's fake news. So, <laughs> James Spann's the only weatherman there is. Everyone else is fake. So, James Spann's, you know, that's what I look for. But if I was on the news waiting for James to give me that forecast, like I watch at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 10 o'clock, it's all the same forecast, but I'm going to make sure, okay? You never know, a cloud may come by, as my grandmother used to say, there's a cloud coming up, we're in trouble. You know, I didn't even know what that was as a kid. I, whenever I just see regular clouds, I'd freak out. I didn't know no better. <laughs> there's a cloud coming, we're done. You know, <clears throat> so if you're watching the news and you see this stuff, you know, you would, you would be like, man, I want to I be where that is. You know, this guy's gaining attention. Jesus was becoming a local celebrity is what he was doing. And so <clears throat> the evidence of Jesus' might was on full display with the miracles that he was doing. And that's what we want as a people. We want a God that can do something to meet our needs. And that's what they were doing. You know, as I, as I look at this, and I'm thinking, you know, Jesus meeting the needs of all these people, I think about a time in my life where Jesus just overwhelmed me with His goodness. Have y'all ever experienced that before? Jesus has been so good to you. I mean, it just overwhelms you with His goodness. You know, if you've ever worked in nursery, you've seen the Tower of Terrors, my two kids, Ben and Russ. Okay? They are fun they are loving and they are rambunctious. And they are just like their daddy. Okay? Bless their mama's heart is all I'm saying. She's raising four boys because I'm included. So these boys though, what was, what was concerning about, uh, about them, um, they were twins. And that the doctors knew ahead of time that they were going to be born prematurely. And so, you know, we have, we're having to go to UAB back and forth, back and forth. It got down to where we was going like once a week to UAB to, to have these tests done just to check on them and stuff. And um, they're like, okay, here's some complications that you could face during all this. Like baby A and baby B's right here. Baby A is getting really big. And baby A may absorb baby B. I don't know. Or baby A is getting so big, baby B may not survive. You know, all these circumstances are going on. The doctor's even scared us. It's like, okay, if this happens here, so say this happens, what you're going to have to do is that you're going to have to fly to Ohio and have this special surgery so you can have these twins because other than that, they won't survive. You know, we're just, just going through our heads this whole time like, God, you know, please help us. God, you know, just, just make a way for us. God, give us the answers and stuff. And so people started praying. We were praying and and God showed up through that whole situation. And my kids were born. They were small now, okay? Don't get, uh, ben was 4.6 pounds and Russ was 3.8 pounds. Just a little baby. That's all he was. But now they would run over, they would tear up an anvil. I'm telling you. Them boys right there could flip a tractor over and wouldn't even bother him at all and just keep on trucking down the road. Ben's thick now. Goodness gracious. That four pounds was gone a long time ago. <clears throat> just like his daddy. So... God showed up in that moment. In my moment of desperation, in my moment of need, I cried out, God, please help us. And God heard my cry. But see, the problem is a lot of people, they just use God in that moment. I say use God, but they don't cry out to God in that moment. They don't cry out to God in any other time. When things are going good, they don't give Him praise. When things that are happening in their lives that you can tell it's evident that God's blessing them, they don't give glory to Him. Now what they do, a lot of people treat God like a 911 call. God, we just need you in emergencies is all we need. 
God, we don't take you for face value of who you truly are. We don't see him as the mighty God that he is. We see him as, so, as someone that could just help us whenever we need it. We see him more as a genie than we do a God. And that is where we're, we're wrong. And that's where we're at right here today. We pick up here in chapter 5. We see that Jesus is teaching the religious leaders from all around who have heard about what he had been doing and came to see him. In verse 17, yeah, in verse 17 it says, The power of the Lord was with him. That word power there means miraculous healing, or that, that word power is where we get our English word for dynamite. That's how powerful God is. He's as powerful as dynamite. I don't know if you ever held a stick of dynamite in your hand and let it go off, but it's going to change your life, amen? I think, I think God's bigger than a stick of dynamite, okay? You ever been a kid growing up and stick an M80 in the mailbox? Okay? Yeah, they don't make them no more. That's how bad they are. It's like a little piece of dynamite. Just blow the mailbox clean off. I guess I was the only bad kid in here. Okay, never mind. <clears throat> Jeez, y'all are a tough crowd today. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus, see... But what Jesus was about to do here, in my opinion, is that Jesus was about to perform one of his greatest miracles. See, don't miss this. Next, we're going to see paralyzed. The paralyzed man. You know, when we get to this point, Jesus is teaching, and some guys are bringing their friend to see Jesus and be healed. Now, there's a crowd here, remember, because the people were coming from all around to see him. And they noticed they could not get to the large crowd, so they had a plan. They took this man on the roof and cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down. You know, as I read that <clears throat> scripture and stuff, I was just thinking about, you know, imagine that scene being there. Imagine we're sitting in church today and the roof comes down, almost on me. Debris falls down, the guy comes down from the roof. You know, what's the first thing we would do? Call the police. Yes, that's what we would do. Because we think somebody's breaking into the church. If you was at your house and someone cut a hole in your roof, I don't think State Forum's going to cover that. Okay? Nationwide guy, you know, we cover all this. Stuff. No, I don't think they're covering that. Hole in the roof. Okay? So, <clears throat> we see that and we, we would be like, man, you know, we, we would be upset about it. You know, as I, as I got to reading this scripture more and the more I read into it, the more I looked at it, I... I, about to get emotional, <laughs> I was like that paralyzed man. Okay? I couldn't get to Jesus. There's nothing I could do, nothing I could say. I couldn't make it to Him. Thank God for friends Amen. who love the Lord. Thank God for people who Christ has put in our lives to get us to Jesus. You know, I've shared this story before. When I was a teenager, you know, apparently I was back because I was throwing in mateys in mailboxes. Apparently no one else was. But um, <clears throat> a friend invited me to a church camp and he said, do you want a free trip to Florida? I was like, absolutely. Why not? Let's go. And so I went and that week God just changed me and molded me my life. If it wasn't for that friend stepping in, if it wasn't for that guy standing in the gap of my life, I would not be where I'm at today. Amen. Thank you for friends. Thank you for people that God has ordained to stand in the gap in your life and bring you to the Father. God has worked miracles in our lives and we are sometimes take that for granted that we don't see the goodness of God right in front of our faces. So thank God for friends who are, who are listening to God and who are obedient. 
You know, everybody here sees that man's need. Everybody here in this setting sees that man's need. His friends see his need. They know his need. And they believe if they can just get him to Jesus, his physical needs could be met. Now look at verse 20. Jesus can clearly see the man's physical needs as well. But Jesus is not only showing he is a mighty God by doing physical needs. No, what makes Jesus a mighty God is that he is sent on a mission to redeem the lost. Jesus sees this man's soul and tells him by their faith his sins are forgiven. Now, now wait a minute here. Wait a minute. The religious leaders were okay with a Jesus performing miracles. They were okay with Jesus doing these good things and stuff. But they were not okay with him telling this man that he has the power to forgive him of their sins. In verse 21, these men were correct in their theology. Only God can forgive those for sin. They were looking God directly in the flesh and they missed it. You know, we see here in the last part where Jesus, right here in the proclamation, Jesus tells this man his sins are forgiven was a big deal. Jesus is not a mighty God because he can just heal the sick. What makes him a mighty God is because he has all authority given to him by God to forgive sins. And that's where we get the picture with Jesus. What makes him a mighty God is that he alone is the one that can forgive sins. He is the one that has that authority. Not us. There's nothing we can do to forgive us ourselves of our sins. In Romans 3.10 it says, <clears throat> Not one of us are righteous. Our righteousness, the Bible says, looks as no filthy rags to God. Jesus is the one that forgives sins. That's what makes Him a mighty God. And what makes Him a mighty God for those who believe is that He's forgiven the sin in your life. He's forgiven the sin in my life. Because there was nothing I could do. There was nothing you could do without Jesus apart from Him. And it doesn't matter. A lot of people think in their lives, you know, you know, I just got to get to this point here and then, and then I will go. Jesus will then accept me for who I am. It doesn't matter. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners and we've all fallen short of God's glory. Therefore, we're all in the same boat. So it doesn't matter if you're a CEO or a company or you're living on the streets. Jesus is going to meet you where you're at. That stuff doesn't matter to Him. What matters to Him is you. You matter to Jesus. This world may cast you out. You may lose friends. You may lose loved ones. But you ain't never going to lose Jesus. You ain't never going to lose Jesus. The Bible says nothing can separate your love, the love that He has for you. The only thing that separates you from God is sin in your life. Isaiah 59 2 says, For your sins have you cut off from God. And what sin is, is anything that dishonors and displeases the holy God. Because God is holy and He is perfectly set apart. And men, we are not. We have chosen to sin and we have, we have created a gap between us and God. But thank God for Jesus by coming and living a perfect life, by being the perfect example and dying on the cross and performing His greatest miracle, which is resurrecting again, defeating death, defeating the grave, has made a bridge for us back to God. 
So, Jesus has just made the ultimate claim that he is the one who forgives sins. And how, through all this, do the people react to that? People have been following Jesus in desperation to heal them from their physical needs. But once he makes a statement that he can also heal their spiritual brokenness, they just stand around in awe and do nothing. Instead of going, you know, they look at this and God looks at this guy and says, you're a sinner, you're forgiven. And everyone else just looks at it and goes, oh, well, that's cool, that's neat. Yeah, good job, Jesus. You know, that's not what it's about. You know, what's happened is that Jesus is the one that forgives sin. People are familiar with what sin is and its consequences. Those people are well-versed in the law and the steps they need to do for atone for their sins. Why are they not the ones falling on their feet, seeking healing from their spiritual brokenness like they were their physical needs? More people are concerned about what Jesus can do for them instead of what they can do for Jesus. They are okay with a Jesus that heals their physical sickness, but not with a Jesus that demands total surrender. And that's the issue. They're okay with the Jesus that you saw in the painting, you know, as you're walking down the hallways in your grandmother's house. They're okay with that Jesus. The Jesus looks like he can't, you know, rip a piece of paper. That guy on the painting. That's not the God I serve. I serve a mighty God. I serve a God that can move mountains, that can split seas, that is there in the beginning of the time, and He'll be there at the end of time. I serve that God who provides for me, who delivers me, who is faithful to me, who is willing for me, and who is always there for me no matter what. That's the God I serve. And what we have done, we have watered Him down to make it look like that He is a nothing God. And that's not true. That is not true. That is not the God of this Bible. And if you're looking at to another God besides the God of this Bible, that person that you've made is called an idol. Amen. And you're worshiping a false God. The God of this Bible is a faithful and true God. He is a mighty God. He is a rock. He is a cornerstone. He is the one that is... We, and what we try to do is build our houses on shifting sands and that's not going to hold weight. We don't recognize God for who He truly is. Jesus has all authority. Authority, And we try to act like we have it together. We try to act like we have the authority in our lives and what we can do is better than what God says we can do. And all that does is drive us further away from Him. So where, where does that lead you today? You see God for who He truly is? You see Him for the Almighty God that He is. The one who has all authority to forgive sins. Have you given God all authority over your life? A lot of people are okay with the God that forgives them of their sins. But they're not okay with the God that demands total obedience in their lives. It's, the same. it's not two different sides. It's the same thing. He forgives you of your sins because you're obedient. It ain't, I forgive you of my sins and you don't have to be obedient. It's not how it works. That you're living a life devoted to Him. And are you really truly doing that? Another thing you could take from this, it's just like the friends thing. The guys who brought them to Jesus. We have friends, we have family members, we have loved ones that God is calling us to stand in the gap for. Amen. That God is saying, hey look, you need to go to this person. 
You need to pray for this person. Hey, you need to go to this person and share about Christ to them. Why are we not running to them in desperation saying, listen, we know, knowing, Paul says, knowing the terrors of the Lord, I persuade thee. Knowing that God's wrath will be poured out upon their lives if they die without Him. So where are you at in the midst of all that today? I don't know your heart. I don't. only person that knows your heart in here is two people, you and God. So for once, let's take some time. Just pray. Say, God, look at yourself. Say, God, where am I at in all this? God, do I truly believe that you are the mighty God? And what makes God so mighty is that he can forgive you of your sins. No matter where you are in your life. No matter how much you think you've messed up. God don't care about that. He just wants you to be obedient.